When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. This is Adam, host of the podcast you're about to listen to. Don't skip this. It's not an ad. You too, subscribers. Keep your ears peeled. I'm just dropping in to let you know that this episode was originally recorded and released back in May of this year. At the time, it was a subscriber-only bonus episode. But now, we're releasing it for all the world to hear. The episode is about that huge batch of UFO files that the CIA released earlier this year. Specifically, it covers some of the highly weird 1950s UFO sightings that are documented in those files. If you're listening for free, hey, enjoy it. This is an episode you haven't heard before. And don't forget, you can get bonus episodes of this podcast when you subscribe at patreon.com unpops or unpopsnetwork.supercast.tech or right from the Spotify app, and I think right from the Apple Podcast app soon also. But not yet. Not yet. If you're already subscribed, you've probably heard this episode before. So, to make it worth your while, subscribers are getting an extended version of the episode. As luck would have it, there have been some pretty important developments in the world of government-related UFO research. So, subscribers get a whole extra update about all of that, at the end of the episode, you lucky ducks. All right, that's all for me for now. I mean, I'm going to be hosting the podcast too, but I mean in this capacity, that's all for me for now. Whether you're a subscriber or listening for free, thanks. We love you. Let's get to the show. People of Earth, your а по часть обучён спирачу Терес. Уильям Рост, Адам Тойдброун. Hey everybody, welcome to Conspiracy the Show. I'm your host Adam Todd Brown. Joining me as co-host today, who are you? Oh, I'm Fizza Dasani. I don't know why I said O oh before, like I'm Irish. Surprise. Oh, Fizza. Oh, oh, Fizza. oh that's me. Fizza O Dasani. No, um, <laughs> and then it became Italian. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My name is Fizza Dasani. Fizza. It's a name. <laughs> Fizza, you haven't been on in a while because I, I went down that big, you were on the first Jonestown episode. Jonestown. And then I did about eight more of those. And, yeah. uh Boy, that boy was that shit dark. Oh, I bet. But we're we're back now talking. About, this is kind of lighthearted, right? No one dies, I don't think. This is not as heavy, literally, as well. Yeah, because I of mean, technology. Yeah, shit's going into space. You got to be yeah. lightweight and agile Pro- for that. Propulsion technology. We're talking about the CIA UFO files. This is a thing I I brought up on. An episode of Unpops recently that the CIA had to release a bunch of their UFO files because of Donald Trump's last COVID stimulus bill for some reason called for the release of all these UFO files. And uh, there's about 2,700 
files, and I haven't read them all, but I've looked at them all, and I've put them all into folders. Uh, like, I've organized them into folders so I can uh, just mine them for episodes for, like, the next 10 years. And uh, this is the first of those episodes. It's a bonus episode. And we're talking about flying saucers. Because, man, the flying saucers in the 50s. They were everywhere. Would you say it was the golden age? I would definitely call it the golden age. If you, if you, Especially even if you just look at these files. In the 1950s, there's so much shit. And then if I do another episode, it's going to have to be like 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s all combined. Well, it's a pleasure and an honor to kick off another series with you. Yeah, I hope I don't end up doing all of these in a row because that, <laughs> that always ends up getting... Even though it, it, I know it's still interesting, like researching it after a while just gets to be tedious. And I yeah, have to I bet. change it up and talk about, uh, I don't know, that CIA child sex trafficking ring that we did an episode <laughs> about that one time. Yeah, lighten it up sometimes. So yeah, we're going to talk on this episode about some of the crazier UFO sightings that are in these CIA files. And there are a lot of UFO sightings in these files. According to these files, from 1947 to 1952, there were 1,500 reported UFO sightings, which I feel like is more than we've heard, because I know about like Roswell from back then, and I haven't heard much else, but there's a lot. I mean, that's a striking number, and that's not like the impression history books have given us whatsoever. And what's interesting about these files is the one thing that almost never comes up is aliens. <laughs> like, they're not, they're not, it's not even suggested that these might be aliens. It's all about Russia and whether this is Russia building these things. It's pretty fucking weird. But uh, the first file that caught my attention was a 1952 report from the deputy director of the CIA to the director of the CIA regarding a visit to the Air Force Air Technical Intelligence Center, which didn't know that existed until I started digging into this. I wonder if that still exists. We do have 16 intelligence agencies in this country, so I'm sure they're still out there getting that intelligence in the sky. Yeah, it'd be interesting to... I almost want to do a quick Google. Yeah, I've thought about doing an episode of this podcast about each individual intelligence service and trying to figure out what they do. We learned this week that the Postal Inspection Service is vehemently monitoring our social media use. Like they have a whole team because you know how the post office can be impacted by our social media posts. Yeah. So in this report, there's three different UFO sightings listed in this. There's one where a Florida man, of course, reported he was driving in West Palm Beach, Florida with four Boy Scouts, which immediately gave me creepy Jeffrey Epstein vibes. Yeah, that's I mean, that it, that could be a little bit of a red red flag unless he's like a like, well, we'll we'll learn a little bit more about this Florida man shortly. Yeah, that I, I, I know what you were probably about to say unless he was a scoutmaster. Scoutmaster, but I've never like I wanted to do Girl Scouts when I was younger, and I never my mom never put me in the brownies, so I don't know what the hierarchy is. So I decided to yeah, pivot. well, but I'm glad you. Well, the thing is, they never back. call him that because the- yeah. So it who knows? He could have literally been kidnapping these kids. I don't. It, it, there's no context given. Yeah, they don't. Uh, 
I mean, this is the CIA. They don't give a shit. They just want to know about those UFOs. They're like, yeah, kidnap I those mean, kids. We don't care. Aren't we lucky if they just have enough words redacted so we can put together like sentences with subject and predicate? Yeah, there are some of these, even the UFO sighting files, where there will be one paragraph and then it's just three pages of redactions. And it's like, what is in there? That's what I want to know. I want to know the good shit. Yeah. In, it kind of makes me wonder if the sightings that are redacted are sightings of shit we were working on at the time. Whereas the other ones are just like, yeah, who knows? Wasn't us. But yeah, this guy, he's driving through West Palm Beach, Florida with four Boy Scouts. A nice even number. Yeah, I don't I don't know where they were going, but they while they're driving, they see a strange light coming out of the woods just off the side of the road. And this man pulls over and goes in to investigate, which right there, that's some white person in a horror movie shit. Like you, I would, I would just kind of drive by and be like, oh, do you see that weird light? Probably he, something I don't have any business checking out. Well, yeah, especially if you have the welfare of four Boy Scouts in your hands, like and maybe in, don't pull over on the side of the Florida highway. And you're in a remote part of Florida. I shit you not. My first thought would be, oh, someone's burying a body over there. I better keep it moving. Yeah, I mean, like, in Florida, when you see something like that, it's called someone else's business. Yeah. So most people would, yeah, like, I think, but who knows? This was a different time. Maybe, yeah. you know, it, people were more neighborly. Lights were still new back then. Like, oh, I mean, look at the color of that one. I mean, And it was weren't. Florida, you know? Like, yeah. shout out to anyone who lives in Florida before Central Air. Yeah, was this guy not worried about gators going in that fucking Florida jungle? Yeah, that's a real thing, by the way. Mm-hmm. People get snatched up by those gators. It's whew, not a. It was scary. how crazy would it have been if he ran over there and it was just gators using light to lure people in? Oh just, yeah. How'd you set that up with your little arms, gators? So he goes in to investigate. They can't even this. touch their mouth. <laughs> but they're still smoking. They're cool gators. Yeah. He so he goes in to investigate this light. And fails to return after a few minutes. So the Boy Scouts, being Boy Scouts, they do their duty and go in after him. But before they could get there, he comes stumbling out of the woods with burns on his forearms. And what he claimed happened is that he'd seen a large circular object about eight feet over his head, which released a fireball that descended on him, at which point he blacked out briefly. And there were samples of grass taken from the area. And they differed strangely in appearance from samples nearby. But the report also mentions that the source of this claim had, quote, an unsavory personal reputation and criminal report, end quote, leading them to think it was maybe a hoax, even though they couldn't explain the weird grass samples. I wouldn't be able to explain why he only got burned on his forearms. Yeah, I mean, it was a fireball. And then also, I mean, it could be that the large um, circular object was a humongous cigarette because the arms are so short for the alligators that he's right. a really big cigarette to get it to their <laughs> mouth. And maybe they just like, were like, man, why are you spoiling our buzz and burned him? Those fucking gators partying over there. Alien gator. No, that's that is strange. It's it's weird. Um, it's the only the only thing I can think of is if he looked up, and I'm sure everyone listening can see me doing this too, and <laughs> when he saw the fireball, did like a defensive oh, thing. Oh, 
Yeah, so um, a defensive place where he uses forearms to block his face. or Right. Uh, okay, that makes sense. And they said the grass was disturbed, so that's that's weird. But, I mean, the, the grass is something you could fake. Like, it would take a little effort, but you could probably fake that. But who knows? The government certainly didn't seem that concerned about this report. Yeah, and again, it's just like this dude... They, you know, they're like, well, we're not going to take this claim seriously. But did we, did we follow up with the Boy Scouts? Yeah. I mean, well, they just saw the aftermath, though. They just saw the guy come out. But I, I, I'm assuming they saw the light, too. That would have been an elaborate hoax if he set that light up ahead oh, of time. I'm, I'm referring to the well-being of the <laughs> of the Boy Scouts. They got eaten by the gators. See, they shouldn't have. You don't pull over for everything. No. So this man came to the CIA and brought the story into the CIA document, the burns on his arm, or was this, you know, did he bring the grass sample or did he bring the CIA to the location? Um, how many details are included? In a lot of these, there's not many details. I've, I've usually pulled out most of the interesting stuff. Yeah. And they, yeah, they don't say anything about that. The fact that they did the grass samples... I don't know if that means they did it or if just local authorities were like, oh, look at the grass. It looks different. Yeah. Uh, it did say they couldn't account for the difference in the, the grass in the surrounding area compared to those samples. So maybe they they thought he might have seen something real. But yeah, it that's one thing you don't get in any of these files is the CIA's movements. Like there's one of the reports we're going to talk about at the end Every name, location, everything is redacted. You get the details, but you don't really know when it's happening, where it's happening, who it's happening to. So, yeah, there's not there's not a lot of that. It, when there is, it's fascinating. Like yeah. there's there are things we'll get to on. I think I'm going to do an episode just about all the files about them watching people. And that shit's really interesting because then you pick up on some of their tricks and shit. Yeah. But yeah, in these, it's. The the ones we're talking about today are the ones that have the most detail. There's a few more. We might do a second part of the 1950s one, but this the, in this report, there's a second sighting that I won't go into detail about because the conclusion was that they were just seeing Jupiter. It was just Jupiter was visible at the time. Well, it, that's so strange because it was described as a circular orange object with four green lights nearby. Oh, yeah. See, if you if you just Google how many moons of Jupiter, the first picture that comes up it's like an orange orb, but you do see three or four green orbs around it that are four of the moons. So, yeah, these dipshits, who I believe were in the Navy, were just seeing Jupiter. And they were like, oh, it's a spacecraft. <laughs> and it's notably large, too. Yeah, so you would have been able to see Jupiter even probably with the naked eye at some points. But this third sighting that's in these files is really interesting. It happened in Tremonton, Utah on July 2nd, 1952. And if you Google this, there's, you can even find the video. You can find an old timey government. Like the government used to do this thing where they would like reenact events and make them news clips that would go in, like that would play before movies and shit. And there's a weird thing like that about this UFO incident. But other than that, this isn't a really famous one that has been written about a lot. And the report describes 
the person who filmed this video, who is named Delbert Newhouse. And in this video, there are 10 objects that appear to be milling about, it says in the report, traveling in a westerly direction in the sky. And at one point, one object separates from the rest and reverses course and flies across the sky. And the report also includes these conclusions from an investigator of the film done by the Air Technical Intelligence Center. There they are again. Uh, Ten objects, all alike in movement and size, decidedly improbable that they are birds or balloons. Exact nature cannot be determined. It would probably be extremely difficult to imitate this photography for fraudulent purposes. Is imitate the right word there? Wouldn't it be like manipulate or something like that? I don't know. Yeah, because imitate would be making a copy of something real. Yeah, yeah. So I think they might have used incorrect wording there, but you get what they're saying. It would be hard to fake this video. Yeah. Huh. Okay. I mean, it's 1952 at-home camera technology, so you hear like flapping noises in the background, and it's not super clear, but you can see it. You can see the, the 10 objects they're talking about, and they are all moving in unison, and then one of them just fucking takes off in a different direction really fast. It's strange. It almost looks like the phoenix lights if you're familiar with that which the phoenix lights if you look at them now they just look like drones but they were doing the same thing that was a 1997 ufo incident that was first reported by kurt russell a noted pilot kurt russell he was flying his son to go visit his girlfriend like what a fucking cool dad and then he spots a ufo rich people have the best fucking lives man Uh, There's another incident in these files that happened October 29th, 1952. 1952 was a hot year in terms of UFOs. That, whoever built these, I feel like that's the year they really got it down and started mass producing them. Yeah, they're just, people are finding them all over the place. They really are. They're everywhere. And they're Like, like, this is just a fraction of the reported sightings from these files will link to where you can see all these files. They're on a site called the black vault, which just compiles FBI and CIA documents into a readable form. So thanks to them for doing that because that's where I got all these files from question. Yes. We're flying saucers in the zeitgeist at the time. Yeah. They had already started being written about in science fiction and things like that. It was, definitely a thing that was in the public consciousness at the time and that does come up a lot in this that there are a lot of people writing on this subject one of the people that ends up getting kind of followed the most or that gets the most attention from them is a guy named major daniel kehoe who was in the marines and He had this theory that the CIA was going around and threatening people into not talking about UFOs, which that doesn't sound like the government at all. But he, for years before that, was a science fiction writer also, and he wrote about UFOs a lot. So that comes up a lot in his file where they're like, this guy, he's a sensationalist. It's like, yeah, but he's just saying you intimidate witnesses, which you probably (laughs) do. So this one that happened October 29th, 1952, Tarn, France. Ever been? I haven't, personally. (laughs) I have not, (laughs) either. Uh, This incident around 
A hundred people all report seeing the same thing. They report witnessing a flying saucer formation around 16 crafts, which revolved and gave off a bluish light at the sides. That's an important detail because it comes up again in another report. Yeah. And they also reported an elongated cylinder in the center of the saucer formation. The weirdest part of the report is that all the objects were said to have discharged shining whitish particles, which look like glass wool and accumulated on tree branches and telegraph wires. Many of the um, persons said that they'd been able to gather clusters of such particles, but that these had quickly disintegrated, making it impossible to have them analyzed later in a lab. Yeah, that's literally the only reason this one is in the notes. Well, yeah. no, because that description matches a description that we hear in a couple other reports. But that white particles thing, I have never heard that in any UFO sighting report ever. It's nowhere else in these files, and it's like I've never heard it just generally. So that one's weird. Those people are all aliens now. <laughs> That's what happened Hundred people. <laughs> That'd be cool if you picked it up and turned into an alien. <laughs> but only if it turned you into an alien that can survive our atmosphere, obviously. So they absorbed the glass wool. Well, not the real glass. It wasn't really glass wool, but the... It's probably just that stuff that's in the packets that says do not eat like when you buy <laughs> a, pa- a pair of shoes. Which, by the way, you know what happens if you eat that? I don't. Nothing. Nothing at all. Have you tried? No, but I read a very lengthy article about it. Like, you shouldn't eat it. And you wouldn't definitely wouldn't want to eat a lot of it if you do. But yeah, it's not going to kill you. It probably wouldn't even kill your pets. Yeah. So they're just saying like it's not made for consumption. Yeah. So whatever it, happens after that is on you. Because it, do, it sure does have like a salt packet kind of aesthetic to it. Oh, yeah. So I could see people mistaking it for a salt packet back in the days when people had salt packets in their home. I don't know if that ever happened. That's restaurant shit. That anyway, that was that was a. That was a worthy deviation, but let's get back to UFOs. July 1952, Berlin, man in metallic clothing. Again, 1952. Uh, This is a weird one. It happened in Berlin. A man and his daughter were driving home when he blew a tire on his motorcycle, and he stops to pull over and fix it, and the daughter notices something laying in the road up ahead of them. So he assumes it's a deer, and he goes to investigate. And instead of a deer, he claims he saw two men dressed in shiny metallic clothing, stooped over and looking at something lying on the ground. Ooh, stylish. Right? I want to see those suits. And flexible. And as he got closer, he saw, quote, a large object whose diameter I estimated to be between 13 and 15 meters. It looked like a huge frying pan. There were rows... There were two rows of holes on its periphery, about 30 centimeters in circumference. The space between the two rows was about 0.45 meters. On the top of this metal object was a black conical tower about three meters high. That sounds cool. It does. I would drive the shit out of that. And he said that as he was looking at all this, his daughter approached from behind and called out to him, at which point the men in metallic clothing scrambled to jump in the object that the man described. It then started glowing green before taking off into the sky, launching vertically. And I, uh, because I'm great at this, 
I actually left a very important detail out. Before it took off into the sky, it glowed green at first, and then it was glowing blue as it took off into the sky, just like that report not too long ago. Yeah. So it looked like a frying pan. They jumped into a frying pan, so there was no roof on this object? Yeah, see, frying pan doesn't sound accurate, because you're right, if it had that conical tower at the top, then that had to be sitting on something. So, yeah, I mean, couldn't he just say round? Like, because now I am kind of picturing just an actual giant frying pan with a handle on it. And that would be funny if this was just like a... A carnival ride? (laughs) Yeah, put together piece of shit, but from space. Yeah, I mean, at first I was like, well, how does it look like a deer? And how do they get into this vehicle if it's like flat? You know, like if it's like a pan, if it's flat with the, you know, like a, a the column thing in the middle. Like, yeah, is it like an open? Is it like a like a Jeep version of a UFO where it's just open and airy? Yeah, I believe he said the sides opened up in uh, a way that the dudes could get in there so maybe they could they can package their vehicles like and they don't have any issue parking aliens right right yeah that was the part i didn't get because he mentions like yeah the i don't know how he mistook any of this for a deer because two men in shiny metallic suits i would definitely not assume was a dead deer in the road and when he describes seeing this craft he says he peeked over a fence and saw it so now where was that fence yeah like that fence wasn't in the middle of the road was it like that would be that would be way more alarming to me than a deer if someone (laughs) just put up a fence in the middle of the road it's like i'm driving through it but the road ends here buddy sorry yeah it's a weird sighting and it seems like they didn't completely trust him but they were also like why would he lie like he doesn't there's not really any motive for him to lie and the report also mentions though that other people in the area did report seeing something that many of them described as quote a comet moving away from the earth at the same time so that would probably fit the description of a ufo a comet the description um, is is different. It's interesting. Like, you know, if let's say this vehicle is parked, this flying object is parked. Yeah, maybe it does look like a frying pan. And who knows what kind of technology there is where, you know, it, it, it in the air, it it's a full s- spacecraft. Yeah. And I mean, where it would have more of a um, like a comet appearance. Frying pans do have lids, though. So maybe he <laughs> meant it looked like a frying pan with a lid on it. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, good. Yeah, I know. So many questions. There is a really interesting quote from the man who witnessed this in the report. Here goes the quote. I had never heard of the term flying saucer before I escaped from the Soviet zone into West Berlin. When I saw this object, I immediately thought that it was a new Soviet military machine. I confess that I was seized with fright because the Soviets do not want anyone to know about their work. Many persons have been restricted to their movements for many years in East Germany because they know too much. Ooh. Now, here's what's interesting about that to me. One of the things we'll get into in a later episode, and we've touched on it on this podcast before, is this theory uh, called Project Bluebeam. That theory claims that at some point the United States is going to basically fake 
an alien invasion as a means of taking over the world and ushering in a one world government. And one of the people that the CIA is the most interested in in these files is a guy named Dr. Leon Davidson. And Leon Davidson's theory was that the CIA was faking all of this for that same reason, because they were going to use UFOs to basically suppress rights of people in the United States and abroad, of course. And I got to kind of wonder if that's why there's so many sightings in like 52, 53, and 54. Because what if the CIA was faking this shit? Oh, like they were trying to bring it on earlier? Yeah, I mean, well, on the next episode, we talk about how they were planning to use it for psychological warfare. But there's... It is strange that there's this huge proliferation of UFOs right around the same time the CIA starts deciding, I wonder if we could fake those and use them for our own means. And they sure make a point of documenting damn near every sighting from that point on. And it was it was definitely it's definitely like the United States in general to pin something on the Soviet Union, which so it will make it go down smoother with the public, especially back then. So it was a uh, it was propaganda with the production budget. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a lot of this country. Yeah. It's interesting because around the time, was there a lot of fear around UFOs? Well, I know there's definitely fear about um, about the Soviet Union because the U.S. government wouldn't have it any other way at the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think there was because Roswell happened in 47. And that really kicked things off because that when Roswell was first reported, they were like, we found a fucking UFO and there were aliens in it. And then like three days later, the government was like, no, it was it was a weather balloon. And it's like <laughs> with aliens in it. Why were they in there? So these reports had started getting out and a lot of the reports in these files are news reports from other countries, especially in the earlier ones. And also the 90s. In the 90s, I think being in the CIA just meant you watch foreign television and write down anything interesting that happens. Because that's what most of the files are in the 90s. And that would have been great. TV reviews? Yeah, I would have loved fucking <laughs> recapping Al Jazeera for the CIA. Sure, or whatever. <laughs> that would be such an easy job. I'd rather do someone other than Al Jazeera. Like, I would watch One America News Network. Yeah. And document it for the CIA. But they probably started that too. This next file is one of my favorites. It doesn't pertain to an actual UFO sighting. It is, it's a dated November 1955. And it's a letter from an unidentified, probably a CIA asset in Belgian Congo. And he's asking if he can buy this certain type of telescope that, I don't know, maybe the American government only had access to at the time, but this he, he seems to be under the assumption that this telescope is the key to seeing these UFOs for yourself. And it is some sassy, let me speak to your manager shit, and I love it. Here is, these are the two paragraphs from the letter that are in the file. As you Americans do not want to tell us what the so stupidly called flying saucers are, and above all, what they want, and this may be very important in the future, I need your excellent telescope for myself and my observation group, which I am just starting. The UFOs are coming more and more over this country, and owing perhaps 
To the very nature of this land and its beautiful nights, we here look more often in the sky than the busy Americans. Damn, shots fired. He is salty AF. But he also seems like he still thinks he's going to get this telescope. Like, he can talk to the CIA however the fuck he wants, because this is the last paragraph. When telling me the prices, please remember that the packing must be almost armor-plated, because otherwise the local vandals may destroy the telescope even before it reaches me. I wonder how the CIA took took it like someone telling them how to do their job. What if this was, like, that last part was just in the delivery instructions <laughs> box? Yeah, delivery notes. Um, <laughs> uh, delivery it, notes. Rebels won't let aid through to my country. But you know what? Like, these are valid. Like, do you know how many packages, UPS packages, I have stolen from our lobby? Oh, yeah. No, I don't steal them. I'm saying my packages that have been, <laughs> yeah, have been stolen. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, you got you to gotta think about these things. Yeah, and if you're a CIA asset, which this guy had to be because... The CIA got this letter, but also it says in the beginning that they received this letter at, and then it's redacted, so you don't know exactly where he sent it. But if you were any kind of government asset in Belgian Congo, and you're just seeing UFOs every fucking night, and you ask the CIA, and they're like, we can't tell you what that's about. Like, it'd be one thing if they were like, we don't know either, man. But they're like, we, we can't tell you. Of course, you're going to want to be like, fine, I'll figure it out myself. As if it's that easy. He's like, just send me your best equipment because you guys are wasting your time with your technology. Will you build me an observatory, please? I'll expect it tomorrow. I hope that guy got that telescope. Yeah, I do too. He's, he's kind of the underdog. A little entitled, but you know, it's yeah. the CIA, so they can, they can handle some sass. <laughs> I'd be bummed if he didn't get it. Another file that's in there. This one... I don't remember the date. I think it's 1958, though. Uh, and this is, it doesn't deal directly with a UFO sighting. It's just a creepy letter about a guy who took some photos of a UFO. And one of the things that's creepy about it is it's just blatantly the CIA spying on American citizens. At one point, they're even like, hey, we already have somewhat of a file on this guy because we're spying on his friend in the process of something else. But we know that this is them spying on an average citizen because the report begins with, quote, it has come to my attention that a civilian has been experimenting with new kinds of films and emulsions, which he has been exposing through a telescope set up in his backyard here in Washington, end quote. And also, for some reason, there are a bunch of redacted words between civilian and has been so the the sentence reads it has come to my attention that a civilian and then it looks like maybe five or six words are redacted and then it says has been so i'm assuming his identity probably where he works or something along those lines yeah maybe his name or his address and The person writing the document mentions that one of his men, that's a quote, was at this guy's place in the course of an investigation into some sort of photographic process. The name of what they were investigating is also redacted, but it was some sort of photographic process that took really good pictures of the sky is basically what it sounds like. And 
during that investigation, this agent noticed what appeared to be a bunch of like remarkably clear UFO photos. And this letter is about, well, how are we going to get these photos from this guy? And there's a sentence where it says that uh, he is, this is a quote, exceedingly cagey in his handling of these materials and would not permit anyone to borrow any of these materials, end quote, and that he, quote again, appears to feel that he has some real evidence of the existence of unidentified flying objects in his photography, and I am sure he would consider delivering them to somebody only for a price yet unspecified. You spot it, you got it. And for some reason, it's the next sentence that creeps me out the most. Here it goes. My copy of this memorandum to name redacted, would bring him up to date on this subject in case you would like to take it up unilaterally with him. Oh, wow. Who is that guy? And what's he going to do if they take it up unilaterally with him? He is the cleanup guy, and he does not need anyone's permission to handle this. You know, do what you got to do. That's that unilateral power. There's a documentary called Wormwood that we covered on this podcast. It's on Netflix. And they talk in that documentary about how there are two kinds of CIA agents. There are the analysts who go out and get information like this. And then there's the other guys who (laughs) go out and take care of information like this Mm, if they need to. And the only thing, no, because even then they, they... They say that those analysts, like, if they need to contact one of those people, they can. So the fact that he knows this guy's name doesn't really make it any more comforting? I don't know. It just feels like an ominous sentence. Yeah, I mean, unilaterally, it's like it just... The implication is do what you have to do. Right. You know, based on what the situation is but like also describing him as exceedingly cagey it's like this dude is literally being spied on yeah yeah he's being spied on by his people he thinks are friends no less because the well i guess i don't know why the the guy was at his place but yeah also the well no because they're also investigating one of his friends because they're all they're trying to get more details on what this like you're the cia can't you just ask what this photo process is like you're you're out here whipping up UFOs. You can't whip up the technology to take good pictures of them. Take a fucking picture of it while it's still in the garage before you send it up and then yeah. just paste that into stuff. So weird. It's a weird is a very weird document. And there's a lot of them like this. There's a lot of them where they're like just watching people relentlessly. Probably all of us. Yeah, especially point. with technology now. Yeah. It's- so much easier. I hope they're enjoying this episode. I'm sure they are. It's entertaining at the very least for them, maybe. Yeah, that one of the things you see a lot in CIA files is at some point there will just be like article after article after article of like whatever subject it is. And I like to think if I have a CIA file, it's just like an RSS feed (laughs) of all my podcasts. Like that would be my nightmare. If I filed a Freedom of Information Act request on my own name and they sent it to me and it was just a list of all my podcasts, I'd be like, oh, come on. Nothing else. You're just listening. Bastards. Give me some feedback. Then there's one episode redacted and I have to figure out which (laughs) one that is. What was I talking about? So let's talk about, let's go back to 1952. Here comes another 1952 sighting. This time in Norway. In Norway, August 1952. 
interesting part about this is this UFO crashed. And there is a detailed description of the examination of that UFO. The report claims that a team of Norwegian and German rocket experts went to the site of a UFO crash and discovered, here's a quote, a radio piloting transmitter with a nucleus of plutonium transmitting on all wavelengths with 934 hertz, a measure that has been unknown so far. So that's weird. Yeah. It also says the investigation showed that the saucer crashed because of a defect in its radio piloting system and that it was constructed from an unknown alloy. And the last quote, which sounds a lot like they're talking about something similar to what was spotted in that early sighting with the 16 ships and then one in the middle. This is a quote. It consists of an exterior disc provided at its peripheral with 16 automatic jets. This disc pivots around the central sphere which contains the measurement and remote control equipment but was it dropping white particles that's what i want to know <laughs> wool glass that yeah. disintegrates insulation it sounds like <laughs> stuff that in the walls of your homes i know something that they're gonna tell us like all right this is cancerous yeah it's probably how they spread whatever disease was annihilating us in the 50s polio still i don't know when we cured polio oh also the last line of that uh ufo examination report the measurement instructions have an inscription in russian oh they dropped the mic there yeah they did and again i'm like 50 50 percent inclined to believe russia was building ufos and that the cia was faking ufos like if if you put the if you slid the answer to me in an envelope across the table and i opened it either way i'd go huh yeah that makes sense Either explanation would not surprise me because the CIA could put a Russian inscription on something they built. That's probably they probably would do that if it was some kind of technology like this. Yeah. Who knows? Then there's the mystery train sighting. This is the last one. I love this one because this is the most secret one, but it also has so many details to it. We know it happened on a train. And just from the way it, it's written, like compared to all the other files, it either happened in the 50s or 60s. And I'm leaning toward the 50s. But even the date is not specified. And all the country names are redacted, all the names of the people involved. It has none of that, but it also has so many rich details about what the train looked like how the train was laid out, some creepy stuff about the civilians who are in the compartments around them. Like, after reading that, if anyone walks up to me in public and strikes up a conversation, I'm going to be like, CIA? Nope, <laughs> not telling you anything. My name? Earl. My name's Earl, like the TV show. <laughs> yeah, so everything's redacted, and it's clear that who's writing this, the person writing this is on some kind of espionage or detail-gathering mission somewhere they've it sounds like they have infiltrated some country as part of a touring group but other than that when i say it's detailed i mean like 15 pages detailed like there's tons of details about the incident itself so at one point during they're on a train leaving somewhere headed somewhere all that's blacked out and at one point during the trip someone runs into the compartment that the writer of this report is in and yells, I just saw a flying saucer. And everyone ran to that guy's cabin, turned off the lights, and witnessed something that looked like the end of a searchlight, 
but with no beam coming up from the ground like you would see with a searchlight. But then they realize it is a searchlight and they can see what it's searching for. And this is a quote. It's whirling. I then noticed an object slightly to the right of the searchlight. It had two shining eyes and seemed to be rising vertically. It then seemed to change course and to approach the train on more of a horizontal course, but still ascending slightly. And what's fascinating about this, not just all the secrecy, but the thing that happens next, the porter on the train walks into this cabin and just pulls down the blinds and goes, it's better this way. (laughs) That's so mysterious. It is. It's like, what do you know? And in the report, the guy says he gets the sense that they were traveling through some kind of restricted area and that this porter was supposed to pull down the shades no matter what. And while he's doing that, they're like, fucking UFO out there. (laughs) So that's weird timing. And then you get to see all kinds of CIA spy shit about them, like trying to figure out where exactly they are. They're like, okay, ask him what station we just passed and then ask what station we're going to next, which is smart because then you're going to be able to really get narrow it down. Yeah. What part of the country you were in. And the porter refuses to tell them. He was being cagey. (laughs) He he was. They're going to have to send that guy to deal with it unilaterally. (laughs) What if that guy was already on the train? He's just in the compartment like, let me give me the word. Give me the word. It's a small community. Give me the fucking word. I'll get the names of those stations. He pulls out a fucking suitcase with syringes and saws in it. Calm down, Larry. (laughs) Of course it's a Larry. (laughs) I think they do eventually get the name. Well, they get the name of the next station they went to because they passed it. Or no, they stopped there. But I, I don't think they ever got the name of the previous station. But you'd be able to... It'd be before or after, probably. Yeah, you'd be able to narrow it down. I mean, you're not going to go home and Google it in the 1950s, but I'm sure they had resources. I think you called the library back then. (laughs) Do you ever have to do that as a kid? That was the internet before there was the internet. You call the library. What's the capital of Alabama? I hope the librarian (laughs) isn't feeling saucy that day and lies to you. So, yeah, I didn't call the... I didn't call, like, the librarian, like... They were ass Jeeves. I didn't use the library that way. What a fool I am. Yeah, you totally could. Yeah. Library, like back back then, because you're not going to run to the fucking library to find out some nitpicky detail like that. Yeah. Just call up the librarian, bother her with that shit. She'll whip out her encyclopedias. So, uh, yeah, that's that's the last sighting that we're talking about on this episode. There are There are a lot more interesting ones in those files and i'll probably do an episode about the rest of them but i don't know something about the 1950s and especially the early 1950s 1952 yeah that is that's the year that's that's the that's the the draft class that's when all the stars came out 1952 i don't know and also by 1953 in there's other reports that we're going to cover the cia by 1953 is like, don't tell anyone we've been involved in any of this. They sponsor a report in 1952 about UFOs. And by 1953, they're like, don't tell anyone. Don't, you didn't see us. We didn't, we don't, we just leave our name out of it. Which I also find kind of suspicious that at first they were like, oh, this is a threat. There's psychological warfare implications. And then they're just like, we didn't say that. You said that. You said that. I didn't say that. So fucking weird. They're being cagey. We don't. Yeah. 
How come the public doesn't have a guy to call when the CIA is being cagey? I know. And Fizzik could take it up unilaterally with him, and then he goes and gets us all the information we need about where this fucking train was going to and from. I got a briefcase. I can put syringes in it. <laughs> right? No, SARS? Yeah, who knows? You know, just let me know what you need. I got it's better, you. It's better this way. <laughs> It's better this way. Close the curtain. <laughs> I'm going to say that anytime I do anything someone even moderately doesn't like. <laughs> anyway, we should probably wrap this episode up. Let's wrap it up. Fizza, do you have anything to plug before we get out of here? Yeah, just uh, hit me up on the internet. Stay in touch. I'm at Fizza Dasani on all platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Clubhouse, um, all of that good stuff. I'll spell it F I Z. A-A-D-O-S-A-N-I. Please note there is one Z and two A's in my first name. And Dasani sounds like the water, but it's not D-A, it's D-O. And yes, I'm aware my name sounds like a carbonated beverage. Thanks! <laughs> Are you aware your name sounds like a carbonated beverage? Yes, sir. Um, Patreon.com slash unpops, unpopsnetwork.supercast.tech. And uh, I think that's it. Let's get the fuck out of here. Fizza, say goodbye. Bye, y'all. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. 